to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast equivalent of Mickey Rourke in the early 90s. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you below average size giant. How you doing, my friend? I am doing well, sir. Thriving now that we have at least a little bit of sports back in our lives. That's what I'm screaming. Uh, if you're willing to put yourself through it, there's some MLB on there. There's some uh, NBA scrimmaging going on. I believe I saw some cricket at one point. Yeah, there's, I don't know, a bunch of different things. There's this thing called Major League Soccer I didn't know existed. Huh. So been really expanding my boundaries here. Wow. Yeah, that is really going into the thick of it there. Major League Soccer. <laughs> that is one. Might be worth a Google later. <laughs> yeah, maybe later if I got the time. Um, but we are here to talk some football. Took a week off there, not by choice. Uh, the world is just filled with many, um, many barriers. So we're, we're getting them in when we can. We're hoping to get back to you on a more regular schedule, hopefully every week. So working on that now. But as you can understand, the world is a weird place. Football or no football, we're going to be here every Thursday spitting about something. We're going to find something to talk about. It's going to be football related, even if it's only slightly so. I mean, we might be talking about the best football body, the best football hair. It might get down to that. Look, we know Chase Winovich has got a a great claim to both, so we'll get there, though. Breaking down the X's and O's of little giants and why the annexation of Puerto Rico is total crap. Well, it really is, but uh, we might compare some of those play callings to some Gaddis play callings. We'll get weird with it. But uh, tonight, I think what we want to do is take a look at Harbaugh's tenure as far as what he's done as far as putting Wolverines in the NFL. There's no question that things have improved since the days of Rich Rod and even Brady Hoke. Um, Brady Hoke was was interesting in that he still actually had a lot of Rich Rod guys, but uh, even some uh, Lloyd Carr guys that went pro. But now we're pretty much seeing all Harbaugh guys, and we can look back and kind of grade how he's doing as far as the guys that are going into the NFL and how they're sticking. Absolutely, and as we'll see through like the first two classes of 16 and 17, we'll see some Brady Hoke guys, but Harbaugh really helped take them to the next level. And the whole pro-blue mantra has been his thing since he came to Michigan. You go to Michigan to go to the NFL, and that's what Harbaugh has helped facilitate. Yes, you go. Well, I mean, you, you go there to get a good degree and get to the NFL and hopefully right. win some Big Ten championships. But, you know, you want one of those three things. And a lot of guys have been making it to the NFL. It's getting more and more each year, it looks like. Um, so let's – how do you want to start this, my man? Do you want to go by year? Or you kind of want to break it down by uh, the quality of contributions? Let's break it down by the quality of contributions. We can touch on the year these guys entered the draft because some came as early as 16 from the 15 season and some came as late as 2019 from the Revenge Tour season. We can't get into, the, obviously, the Cesar Ruiz's and DPJ's of the world because we're still waiting to see, but we can get in on the guys these first couple years. Absolutely. Let's do it, my friend. You want to start us off? Who are you, uh, who, who are you thinking? Yes, sir. Our first category, we call this the fringe category because whether it be injuries, playing time, whatever, they're they're hanging on. They're in the NFL. They may be contributing. They may not be contributing. They might be out of the NFL. And we'll get started with Jeremy Clark. He was last seen in the XFL. He's currently playing for as many teams as you and I. It was short-lived. Yes, Jeremy Clark, who uh, we thought might have a chance just because he was getting better and better, um, had his season cut short a little bit. Um, But this was a guy that uh, really wasn't even, I don't think he came there as a corner. 
ended up as uh was he a corner or a safety when he left he was a corner yeah he, he got hurt yeah. and then yeah he left that year as a six round pick yeah um but i mean last seen in the xfl the fact that jeremy clark even made it to the nfl you know that's worth mentioning so uh i'll go with another guy that's on that fringe category and that's dad rudock who I might spend a minute on because you want to talk about a guy that should not be in the NFL. Dad Rudock basically looks like he should be hanging, handed out samples at like a Walgreens or something like that. But the dude is still sticking in the NFL. Um, not a better quarterback than Colin Kaepernick, not a political statement, just not a better quarterback than him uh, yet. Still sticking with the Miami dolphins probably will not make it though with two up being added to the fold. We'll find out. Jake Rudock seems to be like a good guy in a quarterback room because of his intelligence. Sits behind you. He's not threatening to take your job. He's just like he's like the Brian Hoyer of this of any situation. He's just there, you know. He's quality. He's fine. He's played in three games. Has three completions. So, <laughs> more do you want? Uh, he did look good. Uh, drafted in the sixth round by uh, my Detroit Lions. So I was very excited about that. Thought he could stick around as a backup quarterback. Just not not quite athletic enough, not a big arm, not things that we thought he had at Michigan, but just the fact that he's still there. This is one that I think you've got to attribute a lot of to Jim Harbaugh. Absolutely. He went from throwing three picks against Utah in week one to eviscerating Florida in the bowl game. Nobody saw that kind of projection coming. No, and getting drafted because of what he did over the last couple weeks of the season. So kudos for him. Um, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, that three seasons is all you need to stick in order to get on their disability plan. So I think he's going to be getting a check for life. Good for him. And the fact that he also wants to be a medical doctor, I'm sure that's not out of the equation. So Jake Rudock's really just crushing life. Yeah, he hasn't taken enough hits in the NFL for that to be out of the equation yet. Fair point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Next, I'll take us to another guy. I'll take us to a guy we were shocked was drafted, a guy that we had a lot of a lot of fun at his expense, and that is Zach Gentry. Was drafted last season in the fifth round. And uh, just as a reminder for people, we're not doing all Michigan players in the NFL. You won't see Karan Higdon's on here. We're just doing players that were drafted, just so we're clear. But Zach Gentry was drafted. That's a fact. He's played in four games, and he has one catch for one yard. <laughs> I mean, look, we were both surprised that he went in the fifth round, or at all, to be honest. Um, he's a big target. This kid is 6'8". And he can run a bit, um, not super sure hands, not super sure as a blocker either. I think he was drafted mostly on potential because, like we said, he's 6'8", and pretty athletic guy. He could end up developing still. I mean, he was still learning the tight end position, but we did have him there at tight end for a while. We'll see where he goes. I don't project him to blow up necessarily, but hey, I'd, I'd happily be wrong about that. I don't hate the dude. I just we like to give him a lot of crap back in the day. Exactly. We just had a lot of fun with him, and we were a little mad, just a, a little bit mad after the last Ohio State game we saw him in. Yeah. But Zach Gentry had his moments, and, you know, if he succeeds, I'm more than happy to eat crow and be happy for him. Yeah, I just kind of thought Karan Higdon should have gone before him, and that was more what I was a little bit surprised about. But, I mean, kudos to him. We'll see what he does next season. Uh, another guy that's definitely on the fringe is going to be Jay Hugh Chesson. Uh, bounced around a bit, 24 games, three catches, 25 yards for Chesson. Uh, He was drafted in the fourth round, and that was actually in 2017. Uh, Chesson had great speed. I mean, looks if you look back at his uh, draft stats, I think he ran in the uh, four fives, if I'm not mistaken. It might be be four fours. He was fast. Yeah, I'm going to pull that up. Uh, 
But, I mean, this is a guy that you saw it uh, late in games. It was a 4 5 three, 40 for Chesson. Um, so not great speed, but you can you can work with 4-5 speed in the NFL. Um, I don't know why he hasn't really caught on. Sometimes it just doesn't work out for guys. It would be a surprise if he makes a turn this year. Yeah, he's with the Jets now, so we'll see if anything turns around there. But his junior season with Dad Rudock, he had some incredible performances. He, I mean, I believe he had, didn't he have a game with over 200 yards receiving. Uh, was it Indiana? I think so. The game Rudock went off, and the game went to several overtimes. I believe so. Yeah, he had he had a couple touchdown catches too. Yeah, he had a monster game for us. Um, got better as the season went along. Let's go ahead while we're talking about him. Talk about another guy from that same team that's also on the fringe in Amara Darbo. Um, kind yep. of a different type of uh, receiver. I thought more of a possession. Chesson was more of your home run hitter. But neither of these guys are crazy, crazy athletic. Darbo could make some pretty impressive catches. You remember his one-handed catch against BYU. Um, but 16 games, 8 catches, 71 yards for Darbo. So between the two of them, they haven't gone over 100 yards yet. A little surprising. Which one of these guys surprised you the most that they haven't done a little more? I was really high on Chesson because because his junior season with Dad Rudock, he went, he had 10 for 207, four tutties. Then another game, he had eight for 111 with a touchdown, five for 118 with a touchdown, just coming on hot towards the end of the year. And then Darbo really caught on with Spate the next year. But I was always a Chesson guy. I just love the burst. But both of them have struggled to be healthy, Darbo especially. He was out all last season. So I'm shocked that neither of them is stuck, but Chesson was my guy. I was one, like, I think Chesson's going to be a hit somewhere, maybe tap in like some Steve Breston Cardinals kind of role, but it's never really happened. No, I kind of thought Darbo might get a little more of a shot, maybe just as a possession guy, uh, not the burst that Chesson has, and you kind of need that burst to stay in the NFL. But we'll see. Both still sticking around on the fringe. Uh, who else would you put on that fringe category of Harbaugh Wolverines? Sadly, probably one of the, the most talented players of anybody we're going to talk about tonight, and the only reason he's here is because of injuries, and that is Jake Butt. He's been in three games, but in those games, he had eight catches for 85 yards. So he's been productive, but three games, and he was drafted in 2017. Yep. Uh, in the fifth round, he fell. Fifth round because of the injury. Yeah, because of the injury. This is the guy you can't help but feel for. Uh, Jake Butt did everything that was asked of him and more in his Michigan career. Came back for senior season. Gets injured late, late in the bowl game, wasn't it? In the bowl game. In the freaking bowl game. Uh, came out to where I'm at in Denver, which I was super excited about. I was like, man, you're getting a stud. And he is a stud if he can just stay on the field. Um, just had lingering, lingering knee problems. And if he can come back and get a whole season, I mean, like you said, eight catches for 85 yards. That's, I mean, what is that, 1.1 yard per catch or 10.1 yards per catch or something like that? That's, uh, that's yeah. pretty productive. That's a first down every time he's touching the ball. Exactly. So they were using him, and he, they know he's a talent. That's why he's still there. They haven't let go, and they see the potential. So there's probably nobody I'm rooting for more of any Wolverine in the NFL than Jake Butt, honestly. He, I don't know if there's no one I'm rooting for more, but I would really like to see him uh, just have a healthy season and show what he can do and get to that contract because he deserves a contract. Yes, he does. He needs the extension, and it's coming up. Yep, absolutely. Uh, here's another guy that a lot of people forget about, a guy that bounced around. I think we had him on offensive line, then back to defensive line, ended up being a fairly productive defensive lineman for us, and that's Willie Henry. Uh, Willie Henry was drafted in 2016, Harbaugh's first year in the fourth round, uh, currently with the 49ers. You'd be surprised to know he has four and a half sacks and seven tackles for loss, though. 
I wouldn't have guessed that in the 17 games he's been in. That's decently productive. Willie Henry is a massive human being. He's just a massive humanity. So I hope he finds a role there, man. That 49ers front is potent. Yeah. Get someone like that in the middle, let's go. Yeah, that's what I'm screaming. And he's probably just a rotational body in the NFL at this point. But, I mean, if you're still getting minutes and still getting an NFL paycheck, I mean, that's great for where it looked like Willie Henry was. I think he was a high recruit, if I'm not mistaken. I think he may have been a five-star. I believe so, too, but get, losing him going into the next year, the team got faster all around. Like I felt like he was the last piece of like the old guard, it felt like, for that um, the Brady Hoke defense and what they built there. And I think Michigan wanted to get faster, and that started with once Willie Henry was gone. Because I remember him, my lasting impression of him at Michigan is just being gassed against spread offenses and just couldn't stay on the field. Right. So I hope he can stick in the NFL. The game's a little bit slower. So – Rooting for him, man. He's a big dude. He's a large, <laughs> large human. Um, all right, so uh, that's anybody else you're thinking about for a fringe guy? Friends, there's some other people, but I think we can put them into the, the next category, which we have labeled as staples. They've been in more games. They seem to be sticking around longer, and it would take something drastic for them to really plummet. Yeah, uh, staples meaning not necessarily that you're going to see them every snap of every game, but they're likely to stay on a roster, very likely to stay on a roster, I would say, is a good way of putting this. Um, for example, a guy that uh, is going to stay on a roster, and that's Ryan Ryan Glasgow, um, one of the, the many Glasgow brothers getting a shot in the NFL. Uh, 41 tackles, four for lost, had some injury concerns with Cincinnati, I believe is good to go this year. Um, he's going to get a chance now. Um, he was drafted in 2017, so he hasn't really had – he had his rookie year, was injured a little bit last year, so this will be his third year. So he's got a chance um, for Cincinnati, and, um, I mean, they could use some bodies up front. So this is a guy – he might be the closest one to being on the fringe, but once again, it's, it's probably just because you got an injury in there and a small sample size. Exactly. So I, I hope he can shine in Cincinnati alongside Geno Atkins and what they're trying to build there with Joey Buckets coming in. So I hope he gets his chance. I'm not. I'm never going to bet against the Glasgow. That's just every Michigan fan has to say that. Never bet against the Glasgow. We need to open a pub in Ann Arbor called like the Swinging Glasgow or something like that. Or just Glasgow's. Or period. just Glasgow's pub. There it is. I love it. All right. Well, I'll send you the details via text. Who else you got for me, brother? <laughs> Next one is surprising that he's the only Hill of the brothers that was drafted. That's Delano Hill. He's appeared in 40 games. He has 54 tackles and a fumble recovery, and has become a very valuable piece for the Seattle Seahawks. Plays more like a third corner kind of role there, but plays a lot and has been productive when he's on the field. He's not a standout star like a Richard Sherman or anything like that, but he's a decent NFL player. No, this is not Earl Thomas, but the fact that you're getting run in a, on a playoff yeah. team that knows a little bit about uh, producing a good secondary, uh, I mean, that's pretty surprising. I mean, Seattle knows what they're doing, especially on their back end. And the fact that Delano Hill's still sticking there, 40 games? I mean, that's uh, that's a little surprising. I always thought Delano Hill was solid, not great. And, you know, we've got some better safety play coming in. But that's outstanding from, from Delano Hill. Uh, what did you tell me his middle name was? Oh, his middle name. I don't know how this passed this by when he was at Michigan. It is Cash, K-A-S-H, hyphen, Pride. Cash Pride, baby. Delano Cash Pride Hill. That man has more sauce than we gave him for. I thought he looked like Charlie Murphy when he was like 20 years old, but 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a guy that you might be able to bump up a little bit, Chris Wormley, who uh, just now went to the Pittsburgh Steelers, going uh, from the Baltimore Ravens to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, 39 games, 54 tackles, two and a half sacks. He was drafted in that huge 2017 hall where a lot of guys went. Um, Wormley at this point is a rotational defensive lineman in the NFL. I think he's shown that he's not going to be your star, um, but this guy is a guy you can put in to get a fresh body, and you know the, the production is not going to fall off. Chris Wormley is a great rotational piece in the NFL. He's never going to be a Demarcus Lawrence or, God, dare I say it, a Nick Bosa. Can't even say it. He's never going to be a Demarcus Lawrence, but he's a great rotational piece. Already contributing with 54 tackles and two and a half sacks in his appearances with the Ravens. They re-signed him. He was a Jim Harbaugh guy, and now John Harbaugh loves him even more. Yep, well, now he's with the Pittsburgh Steelers, so stayed right there in that division, but probably going to be playing a lot of playoff games in his life. So, already seen some playoff action has Wormley. So, uh, pretty solid for him overall and a guy that we didn't expect to be dominant but kind of expected to be about right here like he'll stick in the NFL won't wow you but I mean good on him he's uh, he's a Toledo boy so I gotta rep him he found his role and he plays it well that's all you can say about people like that in the NFL hence why he's become one of our staples indeed sir uh let's take a quick break uh we'll come back and we're gonna finish off with some more of the staples but then we're gonna go in, into the guys that look like they're going to be elite players in the NFL We'll get back with that right after this. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are talking Harbaugh Wolverines in the NFL. We started with some of the guys that have been drafted from Harbaugh teams who are on a roster but are maybe kind of uh, on the fringe of being cut. And now we are talking some of the staples, some of the guys that look like they're going to uh, play for a couple years in the NFL least get a decent paycheck. So uh, last we talked about Chris Wormley. Uh, who else are you thinking kind of falls into that solid starter or solid rotational piece? Next, we're up to Mason Cole, one of our favorite players, and he was at Michigan because of his versatility. He's played 32 games with the Cardinals. He started 18, but he's appeared in these games because Cliff Kingsbury loves how he can play center. He can play guard. Seen time at tackle. He can just move him up and down the offensive line and fill gaps as needed. You have that kind of skill set, you're going to be in the NFL for a long time. Who was starting over him last year for center? I thought he was starting last year for Arizona. He lost his starting job. I forget who it was to, but he comes in a relief now. Kind of like a middle reliever for any part of the line. Yeah, he's really solid. I think that he'll get a chance to reclaim that. I thought that was a great pickup for them. Um, he's been there three years now. Yeah, started in 18 games, and it's kind of hard with a center because you're not going to have a lot of stats. But Mason Cole, I mean, if you're good enough to start 18 games, you're good enough to stick around. I'm hoping he can steal that starting job back. Um, this will be year three because he was drafted in, yeah. So this will be, actually, he was drafted in 2018. So he had 20. He played 18, 19, so he's coming into year three. Coming into year so three. So 16 for each season. He's played in every game he's been in in the NFL. Right. So that's that's pretty solid. I mean, 32 appearances. So you can count on uh, on Mason Cole sticking around. I just hope he gets that starting nod back. But uh, he's in a good position with a, a growing Arizona Cardinals team and a really exciting quarterback that likes to operate outside of the pocket. Mason Cole, pretty mobile. And now DeAndre Hopkins. 
there's a lot of juice on that on that Arizona team all of a sudden. So uh, one more guy that I think falls into the Staples category, and this one was surprising, and that's Ben Gideon, taken in the fourth round. Also surprising, because uh, Ben Gideon was never that athletic, never really popped on the tape, was in the right places, but most the pl- most of the players that play for Don Brown uh, or even DJ Durkin back in the day were always in the right places. These are well-coached defenses. So for him to go in the fourth round was surprising, and for him to have 39 appearances with 103 tackles is a little surprising. Now, those came early, and he's been uh, less and less. His, his um, activity has been less and less since then. Um, kind of falling off a little bit, and you know that that might be to be expected with Ben Gideon. But props to him at this point for 103 tackles with the Vikings. Absolutely, the over under for Ben Gideon tackles was 100. I would have pounded the under on that. I would never have thought he was going to have 100 tackles in the NFL. And I guess they saw something they liked with him. Zimmer's a defensive head coach and likes the way Gideon plays. Not as much lately, but he's still there for a reason. Absolutely. Uh, you want to take us into this next category here? Because there's a bit of a... It's interesting how you've got this set up with these next two categories. Yes, the next one I set up is young and productive. It's two guys that were drafted last season. who One was far flashier than the other, but I'm not ready to write the other one off just yet after one season. And that is Chase Winovich and Rashawn Gary. We'll talk about them in tandem because at Michigan they were a tandem. Chase Winovich finished last season with 26 tackles and five and a half sacks for the Patriots. And Rashawn Gary had 21 tackles and two sacks for the Packers. Both were kind of come-in-relief guys. Neither was a starter, really situational football type of player. But it was really interesting to me how close they were in tackles, even though Winovich had the far flashier plays. He did. And what is surprising about this is how unsurprising it is to you and I, because both of us, when we talked about them getting drafted, said we expect Winovich to make an impact faster. And that makes sense when you're going to the New England system there. Uh, But Winovich was also more productive at Michigan. The things that people knocked on Rashawn Gary... Uh, are some of the same issues that he's still having at Green Bay. Now, granted, he didn't expect to get stuck behind um, the the talent that he did at Green Bay. He had two guys emerge at defensive end and didn't really need to play him as much, and he is far from somebody that they're writing off. But the big criticism that we had of him was that he didn't really have a developed pass-rushing arsenal yet of moves that he could make. And I watched a video the other day from a Green Bay fan Uh, asking if Rashawn Gary was a bust. And they said he's not a bust. Obviously, it's too early for that. But their big complaint was that he doesn't seem to have a a variety of pass rushing moves. So that's kind of what we predicted for him going into the NFL. Yeah, it's one of those where we finally feel vindicated because we've been wrong so many times. Sure. (laughs) Rashawn Gary comes in there. He's athletic and he's powerful, but there's not much else. We can hide behind the, oh, he was double and triple teamed. But that wasn't every play at Michigan. He just didn't have the arsenal that Winovich did. He didn't have the different speeds, the different moves, the different powers, push, pulls, all of that. We saw Winovich as a junior explode, then as a senior capitalize that even more leading the revenge tour. So not surprising that he's here with all New England players already announcing today. A lot of them are sitting out. If there's football, Chase Winovich could have a big season. He won't sit out, and then you're going to pair him with Joshua Uche, who just got drafted there as well. And you might have 10 sacks on the Patriots line just with Michigan guys. Five and a half sacks for a rookie is is nothing to scoff at for Chase Winovich. No. And no. Uh, it's really good, honestly. Yes, 
especially as a rotational piece coming in there and really making the most of your opportunity. And they love him there, as we figured they would. I mean, his energy, his charisma on the field, he's a team-first guy. Do whatever you ask of him. He's going to stick around in this league for a while. Uh, could he snitch, or, uh, sniff double-digit sacks next year? Absolutely, 100%. Because I think there's going to be more playing time on the table for him. And he's just over halfway there. So I think double-digit sacks is within reason. But I wouldn't say more than 10. I think 10, I think he can get right to 10, 10 and a half. Once you get to 11, 12, it gets a little much unless you're really starting. Right, exactly. And I'm okay with putting these guys in their own category because they've only been there one year, and neither guy's going anywhere next year. Um, Rashawn Gary's going to get another year, and hopefully you know, he can improve. But Winovich, you can already say, is, is moving up towards the next category, which you have labeled as studs. The studs from the Harbaugh era, you're probably going to know the names. Um, you've got this guy as a stud, and I would put down a, a rank, though, and that's Taco Charlton. Um, 67 tackles, 9 sacks, 3 forced fumbles, got cut by the Cowboys, and then, I believe, got let go by the Dolphins. Will get another opportunity because 9 sacks, I mean, not many people can, can get after the quarterback in the NFL, and he's young. It's not like this dude, you've seen all that you're going to get out of him. He was drafted in 2017, and he was raw then. Um, but I would take Taco Charlton probably down or rung here. I think he could as well. I put him up there just because he really came on with the Dolphins toward the end of the season. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have already signed him. I figured so he'd he get signed. A, a good edge rusher there paired up with another Michigan guy, Frank Clark. That's that's a lot of athleticism. Those were two kind of freak athletes at Michigan. Uh, Frank Clark for the strength that he had at that speed and then Taco Charlton for the size he had with that bend. So, freaky products, and yeah, Taco Charlton is way too soon to write off. I was very yeah. surprised the Dolphins let go of him. I'm like, why do you let go of a 24-year-old pass rusher on a rookie deal? Like, I don't get that, but... There might be some off-the-field stuff, but he only started five games for the Dolphins, but he finished last year as the team's leader in sacks with five. That, that's what I don't get. I, I don't understand how you get a sack a game on a team that's building. Maybe you don't want to sign him to that next deal, because you don't think he's worth that next big deal, and he's going to think that he is. And But it's hard to argue with a sack a game to close out the season. That's a lot of production. It has to be something internal, because you a sack a game, you don't turn that away. I'm sorry, Flo, Brian Flores has to be smarter than that. And he's it's what? Either, it's either monetary or it's in-house. He's got to be 24, 25 years old. He's not old. No, I think he's 24. Yeah, that's I, I don't quite get that, or maybe he just didn't fit their scheme, but... I mean, look for Taco Charlton next season in Kansas City to, to make some noise. At least be a rotational guy and get a few sacks. Yeah, I, I think he has to be. Actually, he's 25. And while we're on the topic of age, how is Aiden Hutchinson still only 19? It doesn't, make any, off the rails. it doesn't make any sense. When you texted me that this weekend, I was like, how are you 19 and that intimidating? Yeah, he's, he's, th he's still a teenager. And he could probably consume me for lunch with like a side of Lay's barbecue chips. He decapitated a player from Army last year. They're still searching for his head. <laughs> my goodness, yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. But uh, who else are you putting up there with the studs of the Harbaugh era, my friend? Uh, moving up on the studs, let's get into your boy Graham Glasgow. He's played in 62 games and started 58 of them. Has become a staple, a staple of the Detroit offensive line. In, in and out, every game, you can rely on him. So he's missed two games in four seasons last year, came out here to Denver with me and Jake Butt to sign a four-year, $44 million contract with the Denver Broncos. 
Graham Glasgow is a millionaire. I did not stacks for Graham Glasgow. And you might argue thus far the most successful Harbaugh Wolverine. With that's, that's, he's in contention. I think it's between he and one other, to be honest. One other guy, but I mean, this guy got paid. I don't think anyone else on the Harbaugh roster has $44 million in their bank account yet. Not yet, but one's coming, baby. One, one, is, coming. one is coming. Look, Graham Glasgow was excellent for the Detroit Lions. I did not get why they let go of him. It is tough to find a guard. I mean, he's probably a top 10 guard in the league. Um, not super dominant at pass blocking, which was something you noticed at Michigan, but I mean, he was solid at Michigan, but real solid in the run, run blocking game, solid enough for 44 million. And he's on the field. That's what I always say about a a, a guy. If he can be there on the field, you can't make the club in the tub. (laughs) That's facts. And that's what heard a lot of former Wolverines on here. They just couldn't stay healthy. And Glasgow has been in and out, not missing games. It's, it's pretty critical, man. Who else you got up there? While we're talking about not missing games, I want to kind of go up one here. I want to talk about Jabril Peppers. Has not missed a game in his NFL career yet and currently has 213 tackles, three interceptions, and three forced fumbles. He used to play for the Browns, got traded in that monster deal with Odell. Now he plays for the New York football giants. And 203 tackles is no joke, and he's in a better spot than he was at the Browns. They're using him a little bit better. People are realizing he is going to be better, played uh, close up on the line. He improved last year dramatically, which was something we were waiting to see, and his coverage skills are better. Um, He had an interception for a touchdown last year. You're starting to see some of the ball skills, Um, and Jabril Pepper's best football might be in front of him as a pro. Watch out for this guy next year. I think so as well. He's a great locker room guy, high energy, really charismatic. And you remember who that pick six came off of last season? I believe Dwayne Haskins. It was Dwayne Haskins. It felt so good to see. You love to see it. A little bit late in the game, but you know what? It was still nice to see. And uh, yes, Jabril Peppers is better than Dwayne Haskins, so I, I have no Even problem with him. If you score late at night, it still counts. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, all right, I got one for you here. And this dude is a guy that is also on the rise. And I want to get traded because I think he needs to be starting. And that is Jordan Lewis. I mean, man, this podcast, the amount of hours we've spent just singing his praises. Jordan Lewis has 117 tackles, four interceptions, and four sacks for the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. And this is a guy that if you read some of the Dallas Cowboys, um, you know, the comments and some of their fans, they want him to be getting more run. Um, Been played a lot in the slot there. I mean, he is only 5'10", and he fell to the third round only because of some off-the-field stuff that later got cleared up. Been squeaky clean since then, and... This year, he needs to get more of a look, or someone else needs to go pay this dude, because Jordan Lewis should be starting. Yeah, Jordan Lewis had all four sacks last season, even added a touchdown. Last year was a big year for him. Like Peppers, it was kind of a make-or-break year that third season. And he rose to the occasion as well with that slot corner roll. And with the Wouzier and Byron Jones on the other side, like he kind of fit in, but he stole a lot of shine from them at times when they needed them. He had one bonkers interception right on the sideline forget who it was with, but the ball skills he demonstrated there were what we saw at Michigan and what we've been clamoring about since he was drafted. I I mean, I put it all out there saying Jordan Lewis would stick in the NFL. I know he he will, and I mean, his production already proves it, but he should have more, and that's because they need to play him more. Now you got Xavier McKinney coming in there. I mean, I think he'll outplay Xavier McKinney, 
but he's going to be a guy that's maybe not the first corner off the bench, and he should be starting somewhere. I mean, the Lions would take him. I, I'm pretty sure the Browns would take him. The teams that I watch, you can always, always use a solid corner in your corner room, and Jordan Lewis is just that. The Lions would take him. He'd be productive. They'd trade him for no reason. Yeah, they'd trade him for a tight end. <laughs> All right, man. Second to last here. One of the highest of the highs. That is our boy, Mo Hurst. Mo Hurst tragically fell to the fifth round, criminally fell in 2018. And because of some quote-unquote heart issues that were cleared by several doctors, but teams are still jittery about him, Mo Hurst currently has 49 tackles, seven and a half sacks, and an interception <laughs> to his name with the now Las Vegas Raiders. He is a problem on the inside, still has that lightning-fast first step, and at one time, still followed me on Twitter. So, those stats. <laughs> Man, those were great days. That's part of the stats, too, the listed stats, if you look on Wikipedia. <laughs> Once followed Andy Bailey on Twitter. <laughs> what do you think about Mohurst's like, tenure so far? Well, <laughs> uh, the first thing that comes to mind is that he followed you on Twitter. The second thing <laughs> is, is, I mean, at one point, when he was the highest-rated defensive tackle. I think it was rookie defensive tackle by Pro Football Focus. And that was for most of his, his first season. And he's only played. He got drafted in 2018, so 18 and 19, two seasons, seven and a half sacks from the defensive tackle position is really solid. Um, he's, he's really highly graded, high, highly regarded by Pro Football Focus, and not going to have major, major numbers as a defensive tackle. But this is the dude that's going to get paid. If you understand the position in the NFL, that's not necessarily your job. Your job is to disrupt, get off your man, clog off run lanes, and he does that. And I think he got overshadowed a little bit because of the other guy that they drafted. Was it Max Williams? Max Crosby. Max Crosby. Um, and, and he was drafted later than uh, than Hurst, I think. Clellan Yeah, and Clellan Farrell as well. And Clellan Farrell, but Hurst outperformed Clellan Farrell. So this is a guy that's going to stick. I think the Raiders would be dumb to let go of him. He is a stud. I agree. Yeah, I think they're just building a young front. And I think they know Mo Hurst is a big part of that. Because, like you said, outside the penetration, he clogs up lanes. And we saw the gap he left when Carlo Kemp, although admirably, stepped up. You just don't replace a Mo Hurst. You really don't. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of Michigan State fans talking down, saying, well, he's just not the, the prospect you think. Yes, he is the prospect The prospect we, we knew he was. And the Raiders realize that. I think he'll get even more playing time this year. I think he's going to have a breakout season if there's football. I think there will be NFL football, but, yeah, that, that's neither here nor there. Uh, anything else on Mohurst before we, we put the cherry on top of this thing? No, sir. We're moving on to who we both think is the best player from the Harbaugh era drafted. He will be the highest-paid player as long as he stays healthy and there is football. And that is the guy that you took – you chose Devin White over him in our mock draft. Why? It is, <laughs> it is Sir Devin Bush, who in one season last year with the Pittsburgh Steelers had 109 tackles, two interceptions, one forced fumble, four fumble recoveries. I believe was in the top three of rookie defensive of the year voting. Only fell behind a player who won't be named from the 49ers who played for a team in Columbus. Mm -hmm. That is Devin Bush. He was incredible last year, a true leader on that team, and the anchor of that defense for years to come. 
Absolutely. I think maybe Brian Burns was ahead of him as well from Carolina. But Devin Bush is an absolute playmaker. Four fumble recoveries is an abnormally large amount for one year. One forced fumble. I thought he had a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. I seem to remember Winovich and Bush and Jabril all scoring last year. I think you're right. I think they all did. I think they all got a touchdown before Dwayne Haskins did, too. Yeah, yeah, things like that are enough to keep you smiling. Uh, Devin Bush, look, you'd be a fool to let go of him if you're Pittsburgh. He was only a rookie last year. He's there for a little while longer. This dude is a guy you build your defense around, and they've been known for having some absolute playmakers at the linebacker position. Uh, my pro comp for him um, was actually Troy Polamalu because I thought he played more like Troy Polamalu. I mean, the size, the speed, the instincts. And you're starting to see that. And the fact that he went to the Steelers and has that ridiculous hair, it all really works out for me. And I think it's a great fit there. You got him and Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, they have just built an absolute monster on defense in Pittsburgh. I'm not a Steelers fan, but I am a Devin Bush fan. And I'll watch any game he's in. I would follow Devin Bush into the depths of hell because, again, back when I had a Twitter, Devin Bush corrected me when I said, he had a mullet. No, baby. That's called a pony fade. So I thought I was trying to grow one. He wanted to make sure I did it right. So thank you, Devin Bush. He's always looking out for you. I will not try to grow a pony fade. Uh, Godspeed to you if you do. But he can pull off anything he wants. The man somehow turns that pony fade into something with quite a bit of swagger. Him tearing up the field at Michigan State is one of the three best things that ever happened to me. I watch it once every day. That is actually what gets me woken up in the morning. I gave up coffee. I wake up, I drink a cup of like animal blood, and I watch that video. And I start my day. <laughs> How do you start your day? <laughs> Quarantine's gotten the best of all. I'm starting to follow Devin Bush's routine. It's like the TV 12 for savages. <laughs> oh man! So, uh, so overall, like looking at this list, this is obviously more productive than anything we had in the Rich Rod and, and Hoke era. I mean, you were if you got one guy a year under Hogan and Rich Rod, it was impressive. And, I mean, you're putting some guys in, like Denard Robinson, who got drafted without a position. So this is obviously more of a return to what you expect to see at Michigan. And, I mean, you look at the 2017 and 2020 draft classes. We didn't even touch on the 2020 draft class. But dudes are going in bunches to the NFL, and you're seeing more and more production. I mean, the further along we got on those, those lists, I mean, a lot of those guys are hardball recruits. Well, some of them. Of the 2020 draft class, which one from the fifth round down is going to be the most productive? From the fifth round down, um, that is probably going to be Donovan Peoples-Jones or John Runyon for me. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones fell a little bit much, maybe win a little bit early, but he's his talent. I mean, he's more talented than Darbo or Chesson. And then John Runyon. I'm not even going to say anything more about John Runyon. You and I have stopped stopped doubting that man long ago. It's John Runyon for me, hands down. I just want to gloat about him one more time. Just the fact that how much we love him and how wrong we were about him and everything we said about how bad he was at Notre Dame. Oh my, he was bad. It's okay now. You've more than justified it and rectified the situation, sir. Absolutely. And uh, we'll be watching and we'll do another one of these next year, I'm sure. And, and we'll look at the, the 2020 class and and start to grade him. I mean, Cesar Ruiz is in a great spot. Josh Uche is in a great spot. Ben Bredesen, I think, has missed, like, one block in his life. So I think there's going to be some studs in there as well. 
I'm really interested to see what people like Khalil Hudson do. Like, how are they going to transition him? I feel like he's going to put on size and be like a hybrid linebacker type in the NFL. He could stick. He could surprise some people. I mean, he has a nose for the ball, so sometimes that's all, all it takes. But, all right, brother, any last thoughts on this before we call it a night? No, best of luck watching Major League Soccer. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'll be Major League Baseball for me, but to each his own. Uh, if you want to gouge your eyes out, by all means. I'll keep you updated. All right, man. That's going to do it for us here on Out of the Blue. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Maze and Brew. Uh, follow myself and Andy on Twitter if you so desire. We're barely on there anymore because it's a it's a savage, savage world out there. Uh, make sure you like, share, subscribe anywhere that you get your podcast: Apple Music, Spotify, wherever. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.